Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Well, today we are kicking off a new series. We're going to be spending the next four weeks uh, looking at running the 100-year hurdles. And, uh, and so, because... To, you know, the idea of a good long life is, you know, is getting in that uh, upper distance of, you know, 100 years, which, of course, not a lot of people that live that long. But, man, that's, as just life moves forward, that's where we're going there. My great-grandmother, who this year would be 128, uh, my dad's grandmother, she made her mind up. She was going to live to be 100. And guess what? She lived to be 100. And so uh, Cutie and I were engaged uh, when she had her 100th birthday party. So Cutie got to meet her. And um, she was still sharp as could be, have a conversation, one-sided because her hearing um, did not work so good. So she would say, hey, uh, I can't hear you, so you just sit down and listen to me, And um, which probably should have been happening anyways. And so somebody lives 100 years, we ought to hush and maybe see what they have to say. And, uh, and so she would, she would just, just visit, and uh, sure enough, she turned 100, and then not too long after that, she went home to, to be with, with her Savior and is uh, enjoying him right at this minute. And so, but 100 years kind of represents a, a long life. And looking at running the 100-year hurdles and going, looking at life from the long perspective, we get it minute by minute, we handle it day by day, but the truth is, is that we're making decisions right now that impact next week, next month, next decade. And so we need to kind of be aware of that. And it's not just a, a hundred year race. It's, it's sadly, it's a race with hurdles. And so as if races aren't hard enough, who wants to just go out and run? There's some of you that love it. I get it. Some of you go out and love to, love to run, you know. Um, but if I'm going to go out and jog, that my, my, if I was going to do it, that would be what I would do. I would jog. I don't want any hurdles. Please don't stick any obstacles in my path. Just let me enjoy my jog. And so, but that's not the way life goes. We have issues that we have hurdles. There are things that come along. And the truth is this does not take God by surprise, and it shouldn't take us by surprise. And as we look over the next four weeks on having the right mindset, attitude, dealing with the hurdles of life, um, we're going to be uh, we're going to be breaking this down. But let's look at this real quick. If you got your bulletin app um, open, you got your your bulletin itself. Says then uh, to run the race set before us. We're going. There are going to be a few hurdles, but we don't have to slow. Let them slow us down. The truth is, is that we've all lived long enough to know that they are there. Well, this, we planned to start this series last week, but there was, we had to, to bump it a week. So it had been ending on the big Olympic closing ceremony Sunday. And these Olympics, we had laid this series out months and months ago um, to do this series and, and do it now, but we had no idea that the hurdles were going to kind of be the, one of the most talked about events of the Tokyo Olympics. Uh, they've just been across the board, the women's hurdles, men's hurdles, multiple distances, but the, the, there were just records set over and over again in the hurdles at Tokyo um, this, this summer. But the one race that got the most attention 
was the men's 400-meter hurdles, okay? Um, to just run flat out one lap around the, um, you know, around the, the track. Um, I mean, that's, that's a lot. To run 100 feet full out is exhausting. To run 100 meters is exhausting. To run 400 meters flat out is exhausting. And this guy ran it in under 46 seconds. Under 46 seconds, that's just smoking fast. That's crazy fast and did it jumping over stuff. That is mind blowing that he was able to do that. The Norwegian, uh, Karsten Warhol, is the one who wins the gold. And in that medal race, he sets a world record. The silver medalist set what would have been a world record. In fact, he said afterwards, he said, if you'd have told me I was going to run the race I ran, I was going to run the time I ran and lose, I'd have beat you up because it was going to be a world record. He's like, there's no way I'm going to run a world record time and lose. And he did. Um, but even the bronze medalist, the bronze medalist time would have set a world record five weeks before, except they had been pushing one another in these heats and it already set new world records in the previous five weeks before the gold, the gold medal race. And so these guys are just sitting there and they're just running and just doing these amazing things the whole time having to deal with obstacles in their paths. And it's just absolutely, absolutely mind-blowing to me, a non-athlete, that to just run that fast anyways, but to run that fast with obstacles, it just seems almost superhuman. But let's look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Now, Hebrews chapter 12 comes surprisingly after Hebrews 11. Uh, Hebrews 11 is the hall of faith where we have uh, the writer of Hebrews go through um, a bunch of the, the, the fathers of the faith in the Old Testament and talk a little bit, little snippets of their stories. And they're all struggle stories of how by faith they dealt with different issues and saw the victory. They dealt with their big hurdles in life. And that what is Hebrews chapter 11 is all about. And then we get into Hebrews 12. And it says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, We've had all of these who've gone before us. They have, they have run their race. They've dealt with their hurdles and, and done it in a winning way. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Now, you know what? There are probably some crazy people who, you know, that they would put on a weighted vest to go run hurdles or something. I'm sure those people exist. There are crazy people everywhere. And so, um, but for the most part, if you're gonna run and jump over something, um, you know, I'm telling you, I would be getting extra lint out of my pockets. I'm like, I don't want any, get rid of my car keys, get rid of everything. You know, I'm, I don't want anything holding me back. If you're gonna have to run and break the surly bonds of earth and leap over something and get over something. You don't want any extra weight and you certainly don't want anything around your legs entangling you. Nobody says, oh, I'm gonna do some hurdles. Let me go find my jump rope, wrap it around my legs, put on my weighted vest, now bring the hurdles, let's do this. Nobody does that. If, you're gonna, if you know the hurdles are coming, 
you want to not have that stuff holding you back. You don't want to have those things going on. This just makes sense. And, and then run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, it sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. When we're running the hundred year hurdles, the place where we get weary first is mentally weary. We get mentally tired. It's just the relentlessness. Guess what? I hate to break it to you. Monday is coming tomorrow. I know, what a downer. And it's just the relentlessness. It just shows up. Mondays keep coming. Days just keep rolling over. The years just keep going and going. And we find ourselves getting weary mentally, getting weary. It messes with It messes with our heads. And then if we grow weary there, then it'll begin to honestly begin to affect our hearts. And that's why the writer of Hebrews remind us um, to look to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, so that we won't grow weary and lose heart. Um, But one of the cool things in particular of running the hurdles and hurdles at a high level um, is... Uh, well, I just want to show you a video. There's a guy named Grant Holloway who set all sorts of collegiate records and just an amazing uh, hurdler and ran the 110-meter hurdles. And we got, a, well, sadly, a little grainy video. It's not the best video. Somebody's sad phone um, took this video, and we want to watch this guy run high level. Watch this. It almost looks like somebody's Photoshopped his head. Look, it lo- seriously, it's like it doesn't move. What is the matter with this man? This is like, this is made up. It doesn't, his head doesn't move. Play it again. Let's look at that. Play it again. Look at it. His head, the dude's head doesn't move. There's all of this stuff happening underneath his head. He's jumping over all of these hurdles and his head doesn't move. We didn't watch a whole lot of the Olympics. We didn't watch a whole lot of it, but we did watch the, the hurdles. And there was a few times that they would, you, they would get down the lane and all of them on that high level, their heads are just moving barely or not at all. And all of this activity is happening down below and their heads are just holding their straight. What we see on that front is that those who are able to deal with the hurdles at a high level have figured out how to not let it mess with their head. And that is what the gospel wants for us, for us to understand that we are going to have to deal with some hurdles, but we can't let it mess with our heads. Well, all of a sudden these things, these hurdles show up and then it ruins our day just with its presence. It's just there and you're just like, I hate you. I don't even want you here. And it's one of those things, if I was out for a jog and this thing showed up for me, I'd be irritated that I had to go around it. I ain't going to jump it. Somebody's, somebody like Lauren Ramirez is going to be on their front porch video. I'm going to end up on YouTube all tangled up inside it. This is going to be the thing so easily entangle me. And so, but there's this place 
where we have to learn in the scriptures and, and the spirit of God wants to get us where we can deal with the hurdles because they're going to come and be able to do it without it messing up our heads. So one of the first things we have to understand and get into is why hurdles at all? Why are we dealing with hurdles at all? Why are they here? Well, we, we, we would much rather have a nice fall 72 degree day out for a jog. Nothing in our way, nothing in our past, not cold, not too sweaty hot, just a nice lovely day for a jog. That's how we wanna do our 100 year distance. Just a nice leisurely place. The problem is, is that is not the way it goes. John chapter 16, verse 30. Jesus is there with his disciples. We've spent a lot of time referencing Jesus' time with his disciples in the upper room, okay? This is, this is that, and there in John chapter 16. It says, now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Do you now believe, Jesus replied? A time is coming, and in fact, it has come, when you will be scattered each to your own house. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He is sitting there and says, guess what? He's letting them, giving them the heads up. Trouble is coming, and they're about to deal with a significant hurdle that Jesus is arrest. That's what takes place right after this. And he says, a time is coming when you're all gonna be scattered and I'm gonna be, you're gonna leave me alone. That's, that's what's literally about to happen in the next couple of hours. And he says, it's already happening. Well, because Judas had already got up, left the party, gone to betray Jesus. It had already, it's already at work. There's already a gathering of people. As Jesus is talking about this, there are those gathering angry people gonna have their torches and swords and clubs and go out to arrest Jesus in the night. They weren't dare gonna do it in front of the public. They were too afraid of the public. They were gonna do, come and arrest Jesus at night. And they, they're coming out there and that is at work and he knows it. And he's giving them the heads up and then, and then says in this world, you will have trouble. It's gonna happen. This is one of the wonderful Bible promises. Yay. Get up in the morning, ah, oh, thank you, Lord. In this world, I remember your words of Jesus. In this world, I will have trouble. None of us get up quoting that one. But, but it's true, he's given us the heads up. How terrible would it be if you went out to run a race, okay? And you said, okay, get in this lane and go. And you just think you're gonna go out and then there's hurdles there and nobody told you. That'd be pretty frustrating. You'd be like, what? First one, you're like, you just like shove it out of the way or go around it or you know, what is the matter with that? And then you come along and then there's another one and another one and you're like, I'm on the wrong course. I'm in the wrong place. Something has gone terribly wrong because nobody gave you the heads up that guess what? There were gonna be hurdles in this race. Jesus is giving us the heads up. We should not be like totally wowed and, and messed up that there are hurdles that show up in life. It's part of what Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Some hurdles are going to show up. 
He says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. The way we do that is keeping our eyes on Jesus. That video we just watched, if we were to watch a replay, that guy's eyes are fixed on that finish line. They are fixed on there. And I guarantee you that's part of what's helping him to hold his head. He's sitting there and he is just fixed. We need to be fixed on Jesus because he's the one who has overcome. He's the one who's done it. He, and we get the victory from that. And after this, Jesus said, as he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to those who you have given him. That's because humanity did not have eternal life. We didn't. There was death for us and death only, but that was not okay with God. It's not okay with him. So he wanted to make sure that there was a way we could have eternal life and it was through Jesus. He says, and now this is eternal life, okay? This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life is being reconnected with our creator, being reconnected with God. It's restored relationship. That's eternal life that we may know him. That's why at Celebration Church, we want to grow in knowing God better and in trusting him more. It's growing in eternal life. This is eternal life that we may know him. That is what we want to grow in. And it wasn't, oh, this is eternal life that one day when you pass away, that you're going to get to step into the beauty of eternal existence. That one day you'll get to, somebody will ring a bell and you'll get your wings and all will be okay. No, that's not it. It's not clouds and harps and all that. That's not eternal life. It says to know God, to be restored with God is eternal life. Your eternal life begins as soon as you've placed your faith in Christ. But guess what? You're still here in this open window that we're gonna call mortality. Now we're calling it mortality because it's, it's our life, but we tend to go have an idea that life should simply be good. You know, like we go hashtag living the life when something's really awesome and we take the selfie and we send it out for the world to be jealous of us and all that fun stuff. And, and, and so, but the truth is, is we're in this time of mortality when this flesh will at some point expire. We understand with every birth that at some point, until, unless the return of Jesus takes place in that person's lifetime, that flesh is gonna have an expiration date. It's going to be done with at some point in time. And that window from conception to death is mortality. And that we need to understand and understand how we function in this space of mortality. See, we were created to know God and never experience evil. These things bother us, these hurdles, this junk bother us because we were never created to experience this mess. We weren't, we were created to be in the amazing presence of God and not deal with the trash and the junk of life. We weren't built for it. We, as humanity stepped over as we're about to see, but we were created to know God and never experience evil. That's how we were created. Genesis 2.15 says, and the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take 
care of it, to work it or to tend it and to keep it. Okay, let's first off, let's understand um, what's not one of these devastating hurdles is work. Okay, work is not part of the curse. You were created to be productive. You were created to make a difference. Having to like get up and do stuff that's productive, that's not one of the hurdles, okay? If you're finding that on the morning, the hurdle, the hurdle is your lazy carnal nature. That's the hurdle. Is having to put that old selfish thing down and step up into your destiny to make a difference that day. I'm serious. That's the hurdle. It's not the work. Work is not the hurdle. Our lazy, selfish self is the hurdle. And so understand it. If you understand it, you can deal with it. And so, but that's where, that's where we get. So work is not the hurdle. We were created in the perfection of garden to be productive and do stuff, to work and attend and to keep it. Okay, and um, it says, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Death enters in as soon as you have the awareness of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, we would think that with the tree of life there, then, you know, somebody's writing a story, you know, they're gonna have the tree of death, you know, that of course you got the little opposites there. But that's not it. In the garden, there was the tree of life, which brought life. And there was the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which with that knowledge of good and evil, which then now it makes it a choice. And now when you're aware of its existence, now you can choose it. And that evil brings destruction and pain and death along with it. It wasn't the tree of death, but one of the outcomes of what an awareness did brought. Now, there's an interesting place, a little detail in Genesis 2.25 that the scriptures give us. And it says, and Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Now, here in this space, um, you know, we who have a, you know, a, a, a biblical Christian worldview, we, we think of the, the beauty of the garden, and it was the two of them, Adam and Eve, and God presented, you know, Eve to Adam, and, and he kind of did their first wedding. They were the first married couple, and, you know, they're all alone. There's nobody else. They're there in the garden, you know, so, you know, yeah, they're married, and they're naked, and that's cool. You know, no problem. We have no problem with married naked time. We encourage married naked time around Celebration Church. And so, but there are boundaries. And so we see this and there's no, that we see this and, and there's nothing there. But it says, but they were, they were naked and they felt, they felt no shame. Okay. We're like, of course. Yeah, it's just the two of you. You're, 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 you're cool. Um, but this detail is important. Genesis 3, because 3.1 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any of the tree in the garden? His very first attack was for her to question what God actually said. He said, Did God really say it? He said not to eat of one. He said, But did God really say not to eat? That's the very first place the enemy wants to attack is to get you to question whether or not God actually said something. That's why the Bible is such under attack. 
wants you to question, what, what did God actually say this? As soon as the Holy Spirit brings a promise that's specific to you, the enemy will come in and say, did God really say that? Did the Holy Spirit really breathe that to you? He'll come in and attack it over and over and over again. We'll say that. that's the very first place the enemy comes in and attacks. It says, and the woman said to the servant, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it. God never said that, or you will die. So now something's already been added to the picture. There's just, weren't supposed to eat it. That was all that was the space. Don't eat it, or you'll die. And it says, you will not certainly die. Now here comes a straight up lie, contradicting, okay? First attack, the credibility of God, whether or not God said something, make you question it. Now it's actually that. It says, nah, um, no, that, that, that part's wrong. Uh, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. It says, for God knows and backs it up, brings the lie and backs it up with things that are fact. For God knows that you, you will, from you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And that part was true. God already understood good and evil and because of his nature, always chose good, okay? And so, and their eyes were gonna be opened. Gave them a lie, backed it up with facts, okay? Happens to this day. Happens to this day. And so here's the, here it is, the enemy's doing it right here. Gives the lie, God said you won't die because what he says it's gonna happen is you're going to have this awareness, this epiphany, and you're gonna know good and evil and it's gonna be like God and he's kind of got a problem. He wants to be the only one that knows that. And it's in this low key way um, coming against God's credibility and his love for them. It says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eyes and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it and she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And then uh, Eve gets such a bad rap on this deal, okay? Um, she may be doing the talking, but Adam is right there, okay? It wasn't like he's like taking a siesta and taking a nap and then she like goes off the rails while like he's taking a break. No, he's right there. He's just being, he's just shutting up when he should have spoke up. And so I mean, he's right there. He's in the middle of it. Um, it says, and the eyes of both of them were opened. And what happens? They realized that they were naked. And so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves before they were naked and, and they felt no shame. But now all of a sudden there is this awareness, their mind in a moment is flooded with the improper use of the naked human form. There was nothing wrong with the naked human form with just proper holy use, nothing wrong with it. But all of a sudden, the improper use of the naked human form floods their minds. They've done nothing wrong with it, but now their minds are aware and shame immediately comes in. Like, oh my goodness. Oh my, oh, oh, I had no idea. Oh my goodness. And begin to cover up and begin to, begin to create these coverings and begin to want to sit there and, and cover those places and deal with those things. Because the truth is, is that there is an improper use of the naked human form. 
Sadly, no matter what culture you go to, go to all across the globe, throughout human history, there's been a huge chunk of the pain that humanity has dealt with that is tied to the improper use of the naked human form. We have governors stepping down. We have the, the stories go on and on and on and on. It has been a part of the, the story of the church and clergy. Lord, forgive us. It is there, and it is the improper use. That is why it is so, so important that we see that they were naked and there was no shame because their minds just didn't even, they had no awareness of the evil use. Now, evil existed. Satan had already fallen. Part of the demons had already gone with him, the fallen angels, all of that. It existed. Satan is tempting and they simply just needed to lean on the, the truth that God was good and for them, and that would have been enough. But there was something inside of humanity when it has the choice to choose to be able to be in this self-serving place. And it says, and then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord. And as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, this was the time when they would have normally joined God. And they hid from the Lord, God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Now, it wasn't that God didn't know where he was. He needed Adam to know where Adam was. And he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was, a na because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? See, the truth is, is they had already made their clothes out of garment. They already made their fig leaf garments. They weren't naked anymore. The problem is, is they would, that was now had stained their minds. It had now stained their minds. And even though they were covered, they were still in their minds just as naked as they could ever were. The knowledge of that had just stained their minds. And they're just, I'm, I'm just, I just can't deal with this. I can't be around you, God. And I was afraid and I was naked. So I hid and he said, who told you that you were naked? And he says, have you eaten from the tree I commanded you not to eat from? It's the only place this information was gonna come in is now you have unlocked the knowledge of good and evil. It's the very next generation with, with Cain and Abel and their children that brother kills brother. Here, all of a sudden, very immediately, Adam and Eve are dealing with the most difficult pain anybody can deal with, and that's the loss of a child. Why? Because their children were born with an awareness of good and evil and chose, one of them chose evil and they got banished for that. So she, Eve loses both of her children right there that quick. One's dead and one's banished. These significant life wrecking hurdles. We're like, that's not a hurdle, that's a wall. It's a brick wall, it, it ruined my life. God is so good. Why? Why? Why do we have these kind of train wreck hurdles come in to our lives? And the why is because in that moment, humanity stepped from life to death and God created a way 
for us to be able to move cross over from death into life. This mortality gives us this unique space in all of our eternal existence where we have access to both life and death, blessing and cursing. This is the only space in your eternal existence that you have access to both and there's a reason for it. As much as we hate these hurdles, as much as we go, I wasn't built for this, I can't process this. It's significant that in this mortality, we have access to both because the truth is if the door was shut, you and I and all of humanity would have been stuck on the side of death. We would have been stuck on it. So God left the window open, this window we call mortality. And look what he did in Genesis chapter three, verse 21. It says, and the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and Eve and his wife and he clothed them. God made them proper garments and something died, but God sit there and there's this beautiful imagery of Jesus where this death comes so that God can provide this grace for their mess ups where now they can have proper clothes, not these fig leaves, they're gonna have to be changed all the time, but a garment that'll last a little bit. And then now that God steps in and he makes their first clothes. He says, and the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. How is he gonna live forever? He didn't want him to live forever in the human fleshy form on the realm of death and be stuck dealing with this forever. So God's first act of grace is I'm gonna make you clothes and deal with this nakedness that you're identifying with. I'm gonna deal with this thing that you can't, that you feel like you can't, the stain of what, Dealt with God will remove the stain. He'll provide you the clothes. He'll let you be able to get through life with dignity. I don't care what you've been through. I don't care what you've dealt with. I don't care what bad mistakes. He will allow you to be restored. He'll provide the clothes himself. He'll do it and allow you to move through life with dignity. He will do it. He will do it. But be able to sit there, but we're still dealing with this time of mortality because we still have to be able to step over from death into life. And so here was this. So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which they had been taken. And he drove the man out and he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. See, as a, as a kid, I thought that they got kicked out of the garden because God was mad that they didn't do it his way. It's like, you're evicted, you're out. I'm kicking you out, you're gone. That's how I thought it. But it was not that at all. He says, no, 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 don't. You can't eat from the tree of life and stay stuck in this death place forever. You gotta get out, get them out, get them out. Don't let them do that and allow this flesh to have an expiration date because during this mortal time, they can have access to both life and death, blessing and curse. We understand that when we go to be with heaven, it's only blessing. We don't have access to both anymore. If we're not in the presence of God, it's only death and cursing. We don't have access to the blessing anymore. Only this window of mortality lets us have access to both. And sadly, in this time, we're gonna have hurdles that represent hell itself. Terrible, broken, messed up stuff that represent hell itself because we have access to both the life and death. But also in this world, 
we have, there are things that represent heaven itself and we see beauty and, and love and care and things that just echo heaven itself and, and it reminds us that we're built for more. And the truth is, is that question that burns in the inside of us, if God loves me so much, why have I dealt with so many difficult wrecking hurdles in my life? If God loves me so much, why is there so much pain? And the truth is, God loves you so much that he opened the window so you could step back over. And because we were stuck in a place that there was only pain, having the window open to life and death is one of the biggest acts of grace ever. One of the biggest acts of grace ever that we have access to both. And at the end of our mortality, whenever that shows up, you don't have access to it anymore. That's why today is the day of salvation. That's why today is. Because today is when you have access to both. Mortality gives us access to both. John 5, 24 says, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death into life. Humanity, Adam and Eve, believed with no experiential sense knowledge at all that somehow God had held back on them, that God was not being fair to them, and they believed a lie. They believed without any kind of experience, without anything to base their belief on experientially and reached out and ate we would call having no sense knowledge experience but believing, we would call that faith. And Adam and Eve grabbed a hold of that and they stepped over from life to death by faith. They believed the lie of the enemy with no experience to back it up and stepped over from life to death by faith. And that same window of faith is left open for you and I to step over from death to life. We got here by believing something we had no experience of and now we have to believe that God loves us, he's for us, even though we do experience pain, even though we do experience suffering. There's something that echoes the very question itself that says, if God is so good, why do I see so much bad? Is this original DNA that says, I wasn't built for this. I wasn't built for these kind of hurdles. I wasn't built for this kind of mess to come in my life. I wasn't created for this and I'm sick of it. It's because you weren't made for it. You were made to be in his presence. You were made for the perfection of heaven. But it was necessary for us to have this period of mortality where life and death, blessing and curse are both available so you and your own free will could choose to place your faith in a God who loves you has done all the work and be able to step over from death to life. That is the beautiful grace of this window of mortality. Deuteronomy 30, 19. Ooh, I'm going long. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice, hold fast to him for the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So we come back again to John 16, I have told you these things 
so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. You will have hurdles. But take heart. I've overcome the world. See, our bottom line today is, is that we overcome because he overcame. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.